Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever for the 2021 football season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Double your initial deposit just for signing up today. Use the promo code NFL100 at checkout betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts early season Atlantic Division showdown between top 10 teams the Louisville Cardinals now favoring at kickoff in their home stadium against the second ranked Florida State Seminoles September 17th 2016 five years to the day of last Friday the number two ranked Florida State Seminoles led by Jimbo Fisher and starting quarterback DeAndre Francois travel to take on the number 10 ranked Louisville Cardinals. This is a game that has brought out ESPN's college game day for a noon start in Kentucky in the middle of September. Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler are calling the game after Kirk Herbstreet had to ride in a golf cart up to the studio after finishing college game day on the set just five minutes prior to kickoff. Everything was absolutely crazy in Louisville. It was unlike a college game day we had ever seen before, with cardinal hats being thrown out of the air and giant flags and banners to the team even having to go inside the stadium because the game would kick off just minutes after Lee Corso put on that Louisville Cardinal headgear. Florida State was the favorites going into the game, but the line kept moving towards Louisville as they got closer to kickoff. And this was a strange turn, considering that Florida State, under head coach Jimbo Fisher and Heisman Trophy quarterback Jameis Winston, didn't lose a regular season game for three years, from 2012 until a late season loss in 2015 to then number one ranked Clemson. Florida State was the number two ranked team in the country and had future NFL players on their roster such as Jalen Ramsey, Dalvin Cook, Demarcus Walker, Josh Sweat, Derek Noddy, Trey Marshall, Marquez White, Derwin James, and don't forget about former NFL players Ryan Izzo, Matthew Thomas, and Terrence Smith. Florida State was set up as the big bad giants going up against this young upstart Louisville team led by Bobby Petrino, a coach who had been around the block a number of times, famous for walking away from the Atlanta Falcons after just five games in the NFL, while also breaking his neck in a motorcycle accident and then lying about it at the Sugar Bowl for Arkansas. Bobby Petrino had a young sophomore quarterback named Lamar Jackson. And Jackson had started off the season 2-0 with some electric highlights in his first full season as the starter for the Cardinals. This game represents the single greatest moment that we can point to and reflect the end of a dynasty in college football. 34 consecutive bowl games. Four national championships, including a BCS national championship in 2013. 
spanning across two different Hall of Fame coaches. Florida State, for decades, was a powerhouse in college football. And on this day, five years ago, in Louisville, Kentucky, Florida State's dynasty ended. In the second quarter, Louisville had a 14-10 lead on Florida State. They had just gotten the ball back after DeAndre Francois threw a touchdown to future Cincinnati Bengal, Auden Tate. What happened next is what we call history. Because across the next two hours and three minutes of time, the Louisville Cardinals would go on to outscore Florida State 46-10. to Louisville put up three unanswered touchdowns against Florida State after that 14-10 moment in the second quarter. To start off the second half, Florida State punted to Louisville when future Green Bay Packer corner Jair Alexander took the punt 75 yards for a touchdown for Louisville. They then got the ball back, scored another touchdown, got the ball back again, and scored another touchdown. 42 unanswered points, six consecutive touchdowns by Louisville against Florida State. A nationally televised game that put Lamar Jackson on the map as the Heisman Trophy frontrunner. Jackson would go on to win the Heisman Trophy that year and even get within one play of knocking off number three ranked Clemson to potentially get Louisville into the college football playoff. Louisville, Clemson, and Florida State all play in the ACC Atlantic. And before Florida State could even celebrate its national championship from 2013, they looked up and saw Clemson established themselves as a new dominant force in college football, winning the 2016 National Championship with Deshaun Watson, and Louisville surplanting them atop the conference with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback who was going to be back for the 2017 season. Florida State had lost its spot at the top of the ACC and at the top of college football. But what happened after the 2016 season, nobody could have predicted. Florida State, with the 12th highest athletic budget in college football, fell off the map. Florida State ended up fading so far that their bowl streak of four decades came to an end. They lost maybe the best coach in college football after Nick Saban, and ended up going through two coaches in four years while then paying, on a game two weeks ago, Jacksonville State $400,000 to beat them at their home stadium on a ridiculous Hail Mary finish. Florida State got pummeled by Wake Forest yesterday, to put them 0-3 to start a season for the first time since 1976. In four years of Willie Taggart and Mike Norville at the helms, Florida State has now gone 12-22. and In that span, 
the second worst record of any team in the Atlantic Coast Conference. As we mentioned before, Florida State has the number 12 athletic budget in all of college football, but in the ACC alone, only Clemson rivals them in terms of being on the list at number 18. After that, it's Virginia, North Carolina, and Louisville in the 20s and 30s among athletic programs, all of which invest a majority of their resources into their basketball programs. Football is a secondary sport at those schools. And after that, Florida State doubles and even triples some of the other ACC schools in athletic budget. And yet, Florida State finds themselves below all of those schools without much hope of improvement coming anytime soon. So what happened to the University of Florida State? Why is Florida State so, so terrible? And how did it happen so fast, unlike anything we've seen in college football? The University of Texas may have a bunch of money and be mediocre, but they're never horrible at football. Same thing with the University of Miami. They're never this bad at football with a legendary past. Same thing with the University of Nebraska. Nebraska may have a legendary past and be terrible at football, but they don't have the athletic budget of Florida State University. Florida State has nearly twice the resources of Nebraska, and yet both of those schools find themselves in that same terrible, terrible state of becoming a complete and utter punchline within sports and a frequent flyer here on the Take It Easy podcast and Memes of the Weekend. And so here on Wired Up episode 86, I want to talk about the collapse of Florida State. And simply put, what the hell happened? How did it this happen? Why are Florida State fans holding up signs trying to fire their second coach in four years when most college coaches get a baseline of four years before they even consider a firing? Or how is it that Florida State finds themselves paying $400,000 to a school to beat them, and it's not even Jacksonville in Florida. It's Jacksonville, Alabama State. What happened to Florida State football? And also, we got our picks with myself and Cam from DSD before we get to our football Sunday. We'll have all of that and more here on Wired Up episode 86. So let's pick up this Florida State story where we left it off. A 63-20 drubbing at the hands of Louisville on national television with College Game Day is never great for any program. But Florida State did have all those NFL players we mentioned before. They were still a pretty talented team going through the season. And they just needed a little turnaround to help fix their program. But that unfortunately did not come because... Florida State traveled back home to Dope Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee two weeks after the Louisville defeat 
to face North Carolina, a team that that season would not do anything of significance. They would finish 8-5 and five on the year, the best year under Larry Fedora, who would get fired a couple years later for saying some crazy comments about how uh, if football dies, so does America. And uh, that wasn't exactly why he got fired. The 2-10 and 10 season got him fired. But basically, Florida State loses to Trubisky, and that's the reason why Trubisky ends up going above Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Fun little, like, what-if of history there. So they lose that game. They were ranked number 12 at the time, and they fall down to number 23 after that loss. And then they beat... Miami then ranked number 10 to turn around the season a bit before getting drubbed again by Clemson. But by virtue of finishing third in the division, they still qualified that year for the Orange Bowl, thanks to the fact that Clemson made it to the college football playoff and that Louisville ended up having a total collapse at the end of the season. Also, name recognition kind of helped a little bit for them. But still, Florida State gets to go to the Orange Bowl that year. Under Jimbo, they get to beat up on Jim Harbaugh, who was this close, a double overtime loss to Ezekiel Elliott away from making it to the playoff. Instead, Michigan ends up at the Orange Bowl, also the best finish of of Jim Harbaugh's Michigan career, surprisingly enough. But that season ends with a win in the Orange Bowl. It's a relative victory for Florida State, but fans are probably a little disappointed considering how the past four years at at Florida State have gone. When you can start off with the fact that Florida State won the national championship in 2013. They were undefeated. Jameis Winston won the Heisman Trophy. They had Kelvin Benjamin as a star wide receiver. They had tons of NFL players. Cam Irving played for that team. Tim Jernigan, LaMarcus Joyner, Mario Edwards Jr. was also there. Demarcus Walker, Ronald Darby, PJ Williams, Devonta Freeman, Trey Jackson, Telvin Smith, Nick O'Leary, all these guys played in the NFL and were drafted in either the second or the third round, which is something you would expect from a national champion team, is that they'll have a bunch of people get drafted. All in all, they had 22 players get drafted to the NFL from that Florida State championship team. And a year later, they made it to the initial college football playoff playing in the Rose Bowl against Oregon, where Jameis Winston famously fell backwards and fumbled the football in like the first Jameis moment of his football career. He'd had the Jameis moment of stealing the crab legs and maybe or may not have done some vandalism, I think it was. But anyways, that was Jameis Winston's intro to the Jameis Winston moment. And then he leaves Florida State. And in 2015, they have a really good season, make the Peach Bowl, and... They realize, though, that Clemson is becoming a power. Clemson makes it to the championship in 2015, and after 2016, they win the college football national championship against Alabama. And Deshaun Watson goes to the NFL, and they replace him with Kelly Bryant, and now all of a sudden, they're one of these powerhouses that gets all the five-star recruits. And just by bad luck for Florida State, you happen to play in the same division as them. And as we mentioned earlier, Florida State ends up going up against the Louisville Cardinals now, who have a dominant team, thanks to Lamar Jackson, who won the Heisman in 2016 and came back to play in 2017. Despite all of this, the fading program, the beatdown at Louisville, Florida State found themselves ranked number three in the country 
going into 2017 and those bogus preseason rankings that don't mean anything. And so they played against Alabama the first week of the season. Now, May, odds makers have been putting at, uh, Florida State higher just to, or people making rankings put Florida State higher just to create intrigue around the matchup. Absolutely. But this was at the time where Alabama had won four national championships, gotten all five star recruits. And as Lane Kiffin described it, the feeling where you walk out every single week knowing that your guy is just bigger, faster, stronger than the guy across from him, and that's universal at every position. And in that game, DeAndre Francois, who came back for another year at Florida State, gets injured, and Alabama wins 24-7 to against Florida State to kick off the season in I think it was Georgia, if I remember correctly, but don't quote me on that one. That's the one part where I'm a little shaky on the facts there. But the next week, they fall to number 12, and it's not great, but they get to play their first home game of the season against NC State. And this became the first of many Florida State moments where the Knolls, with a backup quarterback, playing again on that early morning ABC game, lose to NC State by six points. And so now they're unranked after starting the season ranked number three in the country. But they bounce back a little bit. They win against Wake Forest and Duke and Syracuse. Easy games they're supposed to win. But then lose to Miami, who was ranked way ahead of them. Lose to Louisville. Play a game on primetime at ESPN against Boston College, they lose that game in a brutal 35-3 beatdown. It was actually the biggest win of Steve Adazio's term at Boston College, which says a lot about how mediocre Boston College was under Steve Adazio. But Florida State is now 3-5 and five to start off the season, and now they play at Clemson. Primetime ESPN 3.30 in the afternoon, and they get blasted. 31-14. to 14. They're now 3-6 and six on the season, and they are barely holding on to try and make it to the playoff, or to make it to a bowl game, because they've now made a bowl game in 36 straight seasons. They can't risk losing this streak. And so they come out and beat up on Delaware State and Louisiana Monroe, and now it's all riding on a game at Florida with a Florida team that's just fired Jim McElwain, and they're just ready to be done with this entire era. And all of a sudden, in comes Florida State to win against Florida and get to 6-6. Six and six. But immediately after winning the last game of the season to guarantee that they're bowl eligible, Jimbo Fisher announces in a shocking turn of events that he is leaving Florida State not for an NFL job, not for Alabama or Clemson or any of those premier programs, but to go coach at Texas A&M University, leaving a place that has won 36 consecutive bowl games to go coach a team that has some football history, but very little, and was working through a transition to the SEC, and has virtually unlimited resources. 
We talked earlier about how Florida State is number 12 in the country in athletic budget and first in the ACC. It always comes as a surprise to people, but Texas A&M is number two in the country in athletic budget. Texas A&M made a great move of switching to the SEC back in 2011's conference realignment because now they could take their gigantic alumni base with huge donations and combine it with SEC television revenues to all of a sudden compete with the Ohio States and Texases and Georgias of the world in athletic budget. And it worked out swimmingly for Texas A&M, except for the fact that they didn't put together a championship caliber team. But the good news for Texas A&M is that they weren't one of these teams like Arkansas that just collects their paychecks and goes 3-9 and nine every single year. They had tons of resources. They're now the only Texas team in the SEC. And thanks to Johnny Manziel's 2012 Heisman season, they could collect a legitimate recruiting base to keep them in the top 25 every year. And the joke I'd made about Texas A&M is that they lose to Florida, or sorry, lose to LSU, Auburn, and Alabama go 8-4, and four, play in the Belk Bowl. That's basically where they go, or the Music City Bowl, or the Tax Slayer Bowl. They just exist to go 8-4, and four, beat up on inferior opponents with less money, and then lose to Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. And Texas A&M spent $75 million to bring in Jimbo Fisher for 10 years, which instantly made Jimbo Fisher the second highest paid coach in all of college football, Dabo would then surpass him. Saban would get an extension that says he would always be paid highest in college football no matter what. If someone got an extension higher than Saban, he would immediately get a new extension. So Saban goes through that. Dabo gets an extension. And then just last week, Jimbo got another extension that made him the second highest paid coach in college football again. So Texas A&M was throwing around the big bucks The thing that was surprising is that there was a dollar amount that would take Jimbo Fisher away from Florida State. And in years past, Jimbo Fisher has cited a strained relationship with the athletic director, his connections to Texas A&M's AD from their time together at LSU, and the fact that he was ready to move to the SEC for bigger and better things. And Jimbo, it's a move unlike anything we've seen in college football is someone who has won a national championship at a program with historical pedigree, like taking the the reins from Bobby Bowden. He was the coach that replaced the guy and won a national championship. That's really, really hard to do. The only case I can think of in NFL ranks is Mike Tomlin, who took the reins from Bill Cowher and won a championship of his own and played in a second But it wasn't like Jimbo was riding the coattails of Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden, at the end of his Florida State tenure, was not winning championships. The 2000s were an era of like 9 and 10 wins and 3 losses for Florida State. Jimbo rebuilt the program at Florida State and then left. It was There's not been a move like that in my lifetime in college football. Not just for moving to the NFL. We've seen Jim Harbaugh move to the NFL. We've seen Urban Meyer leave, in air quotes, Ohio State, because he was kind of fired because of that whole Zach Smith cover-up thing, but Ohio State couldn't actually fire him. And he moved to the NFL after spending two years out. But even that doesn't compare to what happened with Jimbo, where he leaves 
one of these premier programs in college football to go to another college football team. It does not happen like that because usually there aren't teams that can throw around resources above a top 12 team like Florida State. And I cannot emphasize enough how crazy it was that Florida State would let Jimbo walk out the door. Maybe there was nothing they could do. Maybe Jimbo was going to go no matter what the price tag was. But it's crazy that Florida State let him walk out the door. And so the next person they hire... Well, first of all, they get to 6 and 6 and then they play in Shreveport, Louisiana. Like 20 NFL draft picks just go and play meaningless football in Shreveport, Louisiana in front of 33,000 people. Just meaningless football. And Florida State ends up beating Southern Miss in the Independence Bowl in 2017. And so now they've just hired a new coach who says Florida State is his dream job, and he leaves one year at Oregon to come over, and that is Willie Taggart. And Willie Taggart comes into Florida State as a head coach who is one of the premier guys everyone wants to hire. He's going to be the next Jimbo. He's going to turn the program around in years, but the problem that he faces right off the bat is this new thing called the transfer portal. The transfer portal basically is coming into tr- into formation in 2018 where players can request special waivers from the NCAA in order to transfer without having to sit out a year, and most of them were getting processed by the NCAA, or at the very least more than there were in the past. And so, if you're one of these players playing for a terrible Florida State team and they get a new coach, well, you can either go join Jimbo at Texas A&M or... You can just leave and go to another program for the most part. And so Willie Taggart comes in with a roster that loses a lot of their NFL guys, or at least some of them, and now looks up four or five years removed from a championship, and it's now up to him to turn the program around. And the first year, he ends up losing the bowl streak at 36 games, which is really more like ripping off the Band-Aid if you're a Florida State fan. You just kind of needed to get that one out of the way, is losing that bull streak. They go 5-7 and seven that year, but one of the things that I say now is that coaches in their first year generally get a, they get a pass on you know, being terrible their first year, because like I said, a lot of players transfer out, but some of those losses were rough, rough for Florida State. They lose to Virginia Tech. They lose at Syracuse by 23 points. They lose at Miami. They get pummeled by seven touchdowns by Clemson. They lose by 30 to Notre Dame. They lose by 21 to NC State. And then they get pummeled by 27 to Florida. So it was the 5-7, and seven and it was the ripping off of the bandage of losing, but some of the ways they lost were just brutal. Four ranked opponents, four blowout losses, the worst of those four being the Clemson one, where you realize just how far your program has fallen in just two years. From that 2016 game where you're ranked number two in the country, to then playing at or playing at home against Clemson and losing by seven touchdowns in the famous photo of the guy reading a book with his shirt off at Doak Campbell Stadium. Google it if you don't know what it is. If you're listening to this on Sunday, check out our IG story over on Take It Easy. 
or I'm sorry, on comical sports memes if you want to see the photo of the guy, but just Google Florida State fan reading Clemson because it's funny, really funny. They get drubbed, 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 lose to NC State in a drubbing, and it's really like looking up where are we as a program type of stuff. And so Florida State has this crazy athletic budget, and they are willing to swallow their pride a little bit in in the event that this really does flop. And so turn around to 2019 now for Florida State. So you've got your second year under Taggart. He's starting to recruit some of his people, and you come out first game of the year, you lose to Boise State. And this is another one of those moments where just everyone is laughing at you because across 40 years When does Florida State ever lose to Boise State? They went three years without losing a regular season game less than a half decade ago. And now in 2019, they're losing at home in a game that only sells about 60% of the tickets. They lose to Boise State on ESPN News. And then the next week, they take on Louisiana Monroe, who is just one of those opponents you schedule. You pay them, you know, four you know $400,000 to play they go to overtime against Louisiana Monroe and they win a game by eking out a victory on a missed PAT that's how they beat Louisiana Monroe is with a missed point after touchdown and so Louisiana Monroe survived that one then lose to Virginia the next week and all of a sudden People are looking around like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. We need to fire Willie Taggart. And so they come back, they win a couple games. Then they go and play Clemson and they lose by 31 points. Then they play at Wake Forest. They lose to Wake Forest, which hadn't happened to them in I'm guessing like a decade or more that Wake Forest beats Florida State. But Wake Forest does indeed do it. They win, then they beat, well, Syracuse is a loss for Syracuse. Then they travel to Miami for their rivalry game, and they get smacked by Miami, 27-10. Then they take on Florida, lose by 23. And all of a sudden, they do make a bowl game. They get to play in the Sun Bowl. But all of a sudden, the university is willing to accept the losses in revenue, to fire Willie Taggart. They're willing to take on his gigantic buyout and pay him $30,000 or sorry, $300,000 across 6 years to pay for that buyout in the athletic program and hire a new coach because they just can't keep going like this. And so they get to 2020 just before the pandemic and they hire Mike Norville the coach, who is still the coach, came over from Memphis, built Memphis into a powerhouse that just beat Mississippi State yesterday, who might end up being on memes of the weekend on Monday. We'll have to wait and see. But they hire Mike Norville, and they start off right in the middle of the COVID pandemic with a story where during the Black Lives Matter protest, Mike Norville says that he reached out to each of his players to address the situation, say if anyone is needed, anyone needs anything, he'll be here to listen and talk. And it sounds great. Sounds like the thing you'd want a coach to say until their captain, who's a holdover from the Taggart regime, 
comes out and says, look, none of this ever happened. He did not reach out to me. He did not reach out to other players here. This never happened. It basically calls the coach a liar. Like, none of this ever happened. You're just doing this to try and make yourself look good. And now Florida State is national headlines again, where everyone's laughing at Florida State because their coach seems to be making stuff up about Black Lives Matter empathizing and all this stuff that can get complicated when you have a white coach and predominantly black players in a predominantly black sport. And so all of a sudden this whole situation gets crazy and they're wondering whether or not he's already lost his locker room before things have have even started. And so we get to the 2020 season finally after this long road to get there. They're just here to collect their paychecks and lo and behold, Florida State comes out, again, similarly to what happened with the Taggart situation, where in your first year, now the transfer portal's fully established, so everyone can basically bail when they'd like. There's no divisions. The ACC's just one giant conference. Florida State comes out first game of the season, gets smacked by Georgia Tech. Come out the second week, lose by six touchdowns to Miami. Then you get a meaningless win against Jacksonville State, which is one of those teams you just pay money to, right? You just pay them to come and get smacked, and that's how they fund their athletic programs. Play Notre Dame, lose by 16. They then upset North Carolina in the big victory that's like, this is the turnaround for the Mike Norville era. They're now 2-3. and three. They can turn the ship around. They've just beaten a top-five opponent for the first time in six years. This is a turnaround moment for Florida State. And then they lose three in a row. Louisville, who was terrible that year, by 32. Pitt by 24 at NC State again. They really love losing at NC State three times in a row now. At NC State, lose by 16. And so they finished the season 2-6 and six in conference play, which out of 15 teams puts Florida State in 13th place. Again, number one in athletic budget in the conference. 13th place in the conference in 2020. You want to know where they finished in 2019 with Norville? Or I'm sorry, with Taggart? They finished tied for third with Wake Forest and Boston College, who combined do not have the athletic budgets of Florida State. And in the case of Boston College, has nearly 2.5 times less than Florida State's athletic budget. 2018, first year under Taggart, 3-5, finished 6th in their division. And overall in the conference, finished 12th out of 14. And then flash forward to 2021. No bowl game again for Florida State, by the way. 2020, no bowl game for them. They finished 2-6 and six in the conference. Flash forward to this year. They almost pulled off that crazy upset we talked about with Mackenzie Milton and how much fun that whole thing was. And then they came out and played that same Jacksonville State team from last year. 17-14, six seconds left. 60 yards to go. Jacksonville State completes a Hail Mary to end the game and beat Florida State. 
0-2 to start the season. They play Wake Forest, and what feels like the lowest moment in their time is that they're now underdogs against terrible Wake Forest. And you look up and you're like, okay, things may be bad, but there's no way that they can be worse than Wake Forest. There's no way Wake Forest should be a favorite against Florida State, and even College Game Day says this. Every single person on College Game Day today, or yesterday, picked Florida State to lose. I'm sorry, Florida State to win against Wake Forest. And everyone felt like there was, you know, things may be bad, but you know. They've only got about $20 million in revenue. Florida State collects close to... $159 million in revenue. It can't be that bad, can it? Well, maybe it can. Just maybe it can be that bad for the Florida State football team and for for Florida State and for Mike Norville. They lose by three touchdowns against Wake Forest, a team that, by the way, has not won more than eight games, or lost more than nine for 15 years. They've been between three and eight wins for 15 years at Wake Forest. And Wake Forest pummeled Florida State for the second time at home in two games, 2019 and 2021. Moments where you look up and say, this is when you're ready to fire a coach. Problem is, Florida State may not have the money to fire a coach. Why might they not have money to fire a coach? Because they lost $400,000 for Jacksonville State to beat them, and they are still paying $300,000 a year for Willie Taggart's buyout, which is about what the buyout would have to be for Mike Norville, and you have to hire a new coach after firing both of those while paying two buyouts which detracts from money that you actually want to put into the athletic budget of the program. So Florida State fans might just have to endure another year of Mike Norville and missing bowl games and being so, so far away from competitiveness and becoming a punchline. And it's never happened this fast before. It's incredibly hard to imagine a team with this recent of success. They won a championship eight years ago they played in the college football playoffs seven years ago to go from being first place to a laughing stock across the ACC second worst record in the conference over the past four years is truly unbelievable when you think about it Florida State has fallen on hard times in a way that has not been seen in 20-plus years in college football. Think about the teams with the highest athletic budgets who put their money towards football. Texas, yeah, it's been bad, but Texas has never been lose to Jacksonville State and Wake Forest bad. They missed the bowl game a few times with Charlie Strong, but those are like five and seven seasons. Texas is at least mediocre. Texas A&M, successful. Ohio State, successful. Michigan, fallen on hard times. But other than Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, they never really missed a bowl game. Georgia, really good. Penn State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Florida, LSU, Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa, really good at football. Then you have Kentucky and Tennessee, who right now invest most of their money in basketball. 
South Carolina, who's just terrible right now. South Carolina is just, you know, so far behind Clemson that they just kind of get spat on a bit. Michigan State, good. Louisville, basketball. Arkansas, meh. SEC money. Then you have Nebraska, who's just terrible. And Nebraska's in the category with Washington and Minnesota and Indiana and Oregon in athletic budget. So Nebraska is probably the closest comparison. Even they are a catastrophic punchline who doesn't quite have the same money that Florida State has or even ties to their recruiting base. Nebraska struggles to find different places to go recruit. Florida has that Florida State has that pipeline through Georgia and Florida. They just can't take advantage of it cuz they're just so putrid. And so that's what's happened to Florida State. To answer the question, what the hell happened? A crazy crazy collapse, perfect confluence of terrible events and bad decisions put Florida State just 5 years removed from being the number 2 team in the country playing college game day in a winnable game against Florida against Louisville to now 5 years later the program in complete and utter disarray for a program that went 4 decades dominating college football quite quite remarkable It is time for the Take It Easy Pick'em Pool here on Wired Up episode 86. I've got my five picks for the week, and we've got Cam's five picks of the week over from DSD. If you want Walter's picks and analysis for the week, check that out on Friday's episode. And if you want our boy Blake Jude's picks for the week, check that out with the fun Danger Zone pod we did back on Thursday. Those games do a great job of getting you set for the NFL Sunday, which allows us to do fun stories like talking about Florida State football for 40 minutes. So my locks of the week start off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 12 and a half against the Atlanta Falcons. I will doon doon lock it in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover against the Falcons, breaking our rule of betting Lions and Falcons games. But you know what? Now that we have four people playing the game this year, we're going to get every game involved. And so now and then, somebody's going to have to pick the Falcons and Bucks game. So I'll take the Bucks to cover the spread at home 12.5 against the Falcons. I will also take the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are six-point favorites against the Las Vegas Raiders. Both teams had the two most shocking wins of last week. I will doon-doon lock it in and this one goes as a direct competitor against Walters six points he's getting for the Las Vegas Raiders this week so me and him got a little competition going on there we had the same thing last week with the Jets and Panthers game so uh, me and Walter going head to head Panther or uh, Steelers and Raiders this week for the pick I will also take the Seattle Seahawks to win at six and a half against the Titans. Uh, Razor told us on Friday that he would take Russell Wilson, DK, and Lockett in all of his fantasy leagues in DFS. And you know what? I'm going to trust Razor's expertise on this one. And uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks. It also fades the public, and uh, the house always wins. So maybe this is one where the the public doesn't know exactly what they're doing or maybe Vegas is trying to slip in there and win their money a little bit so 
I will take the Seahawks there. I will take the Cowboys as dogs at three and a half against the Chargers this week. Uh, This one feels like it could be a shootout type. I picked a straight up victory over on the Slump Buster. Our um, preview show for this weekend uh, is out now. You can check that out on YouTube, by the way. Just Google Slump Buster Podcast. You can find me uh, talking with our boy Juju Talk Sports. We uh, we got our preview show in on Tuesday, so if you want to check some of that out to see our awards predictions, check that out. A lot of this is becoming a shameless plug for all the other stuff here on Take It Easy. So uh, that was unintentional. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on, and you guys can check out those episodes from last week and leave those five-star reviews, of course, as well. All right, enough shamelessly plugging because this is all culminating with my favorite pick of the week. Now, do I believe this one to come true? No, I don't exactly believe this one will happen, but... We got to roll with it because they were our magical luck charm last week, and this would actually be fading the public. According to our friends over at betonline.ag, Buffalo is getting 63% of the money line bets here, so I'm going to fade the public here and roll with... For the second week in a row, we are picking the upset and rolling with the Miami Dolphins. They beat the Patriots last week with our straight-up bet. This week, we'll take them with the three and a half points up against the Buffalo Bills. With that being said, let us roll on in with our picks from Daily Sports Dosage to close out the podcast. You may notice that we go against each other a good bit here on the episode. This was totally unintentional, but it's going to make for way more fun pick'em pool here in week number two. Before Cam is three and two, tied with myself for first place right now in our pick'em pool, uh, and behind Walter Mitchell sitting in third, and Blake Jude sitting in last through week one. So, our first game up on the docket is the 49ers traveling to Philadelphia. 49ers are a three and a half point favorite at the Eagles. Niners, bro. There's no way the Eagles do that again. No way. Yeah, I'm picking the same Niners. thing as you at this point. But Vegas seems to be going no that way. way. No way, bro. I'm sorry. No way. I agree. I don't think it's possible, but who knows? Weirder things have happened. Dot dot nope. dot. All right. Next up. Niners. Bills. Dolphins. Bills are three point favorites. Where are they at? They're at Miami. Um, Bills. I think the Bills are going to come back there. Yeah, I think two of the more. I think one of the most shocking zero and one teams is probably Buffalo right now. Is yeah, yeah. That, well, that was an epic joke, was it? Epic. I mean, we talked about this before. Like, I felt like it was a great defensive performance too by Pittsburgh. No, no, I know, but just like, bro, you like the fact that the that the Steelers literally had like 
like 50 yards at halftime yeah and they lost that was crazy like like i mean again it was like i wish the game had been more interesting but it was like one of those yeah rotating, i agree it didn't come up on the they red didn't really zone even enough. talk about it on red zone at all yeah that was funny you said that's that. what i was I thinking i was like because there just wasn't very much happening it was just like oh look josh allen gets sacked and fumbled but now pittsburgh kicks a field yeah. goal it's like okay he, yeah josh allen had some ridiculously good throws too though yeah no josh allen once he plays worse defenses he's gonna start carving some dudes up so i don't think there's a problem there uh no no there definitely isn't come on no he'll be all right all right next up we have the rams traveling to indianapolis to play the colts the rams are three and a half point favorites rams rams heavy it's uh uh, i I, i'm maybe not heavy but i just i don't know dude i'm just a rams guy I mean, they were. I hate. I hate taking favorites, though. I do, and I took all favorites so far. Hate taking favorites. I like dogs. I think I'm going to do you dirty on this one then, because we have Bucks and Falcons. The Bucks are 13 point favorites against Atlanta. I'm taking the Bucks, dude. I hate the Falcons. Yeah, hate them. 13 points. That's that's a lot of points to give. It's a lot of points. Oh well. Yeah, but where is it again? It's in Tampa. Um. You know what? I'm going to take the Falcons. Ooh, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Falcons. You want the points here. I like it because I'm going with Tampa this week. So we're, we have one of our first head-to-heads against anyone in our league this year. Yeah, you know what? I, I love the points, too, but I hate taking the Falcons. Well, so we have a rule, or I have a rule that I have been doing for years. You never bet the Falcons. And, you and, never bet the Lions, ever. And you're right. I, t- I bet the Falcons last week. I thought they were freaking lock, and I guess they weren't. Nope. Uh, they stink, dude. Now I'm making you take the Falcons again. I'm cruel. I'm making you pick the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, every you week. Did. Yeah, you forced me to that. What's wrong with you? No, I'm being mean. That's the point. Is that I just hate you at this point. I'm making you pick the Falcons. <laughs> uh, final game I've got here. Titans are at Seattle. Seattle is a six and a half point favorite at home. Ah, uh, Titans. Ooh, you want the points for the Titans? I like it. I, I just feel like the Titans played so bad last week, like historically bad. I just can't, for them at least. I think they're a better team than they were. I mean, I, th- I bet you they're like an 8-8 eight eight team probably. Not, what is it, 9-8 now, I guess. But, I don't know. I, I, I am not sold on Seattle. I mean, I'm just not. I've never been sold on Seattle, bro. I mean, Seattle is what they are. I, th- I mean, to be fair, I feel better about them now because Russell Wilson was awesome last week, and that was the one thing I was worried about. Like, last time we saw Russell Wilson, he played kind of like shit. And so I was concerned about that, yeah. but now those concerns are gone. Russell Wilson's still in his prime. Russell Wilson still got that beautiful arc on the ball. Like, they're going to be fine. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I yeah. How can you not, like, Russell Wilson, bro. Yeah, no, for sure. So, goddamn Warhead State. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. (laughs) Bye. This show is presented by betonline.ag. Sign up today and use promo code NFL100 at checkout to double your initial deposit. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.